time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, July 27th, and mergers and weddings are in the air. Did you guys see the big announcement Black Knight made acquiring Optimal Blue for $1.8 billion? Amazing deal. I looked at when, they, when the, the new PE firm had bought Optimal Blue from the previous one, and I'm going, wow, they paid a lot of money for it. We'll see how that works out. I'd say... It worked out. Lots of the news. Can't wait to get into all that's happening, but we're thrilled to have you here with us. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. We're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format. That's that listen to stuff, that old-fashioned stuff. <laughs> Do so anytime, anywhere. So today's podcast, we've got my good friend, Vince Parlove. So excited to have him on. He's United wholesale mortgage. He runs a division within the company of helping getting companies up and running. And Vince is just someone I've known for many, many years, have a great deal of respect for him. But he's going to come on and talk a little bit about how the heck are they doing. And if we were to believe Vince, and I do believe Vince, as I know this to be true, because I know people that do business, they're maintaining turnaround times 48 hours and consistently through the growth. It's crazy. We're going to talk about that. So you're going to want to stay online, but it's talking about the researchers of the independent mortgage broker. thought that was really interesting, especially with all the noise that's been going on with some posts that Anthony Costa did that were just absolutely insanely stupid. Anyway, we just are so excited to be a part of the Industry Syndicate. Industrysyndicate.com. Check them out as well as mortgagemedia.com. David Matthews and I are going to be recording another David and David session coming up here. Got some real interesting stuff to talk about. But before we go there, let's say a big thank you to our sponsors. So excited to have the Mortgage Bankers Association work. We're going to hear from Rob Van Rapport, hopefully here in just a minute, as well as we're going to say thank you to Finastra of Fusion Body. They bought my old software company that I started in my garage in 1978. They paid $1.3 billion, doing some great things. They're growing rapidly, and they've been centered more in the banks and credit union space, but you need to pay attention to what they're doing now when it comes to the independent mortgage banking space. So wherever you're at, bank, credit union company, or independent mortgage banker, pay attention. Go over to Finastra, F-I-N-A. A-S-T-R-A dot com. Also, Lenders One and Mortgage Collaborative. Great to be a part of both of these co-ops as well as the Community Mortgage Lenders of America. I got a chance to spend time with Ed Wallace last week up in Nashville. We got a new client up there and Ed just became the president of this new client and is just really excited. And But he was at Community Mortgage Lenders, really grateful for our affiliation with all of our companies. Of course, Indicom, if you're looking to outsource and find additional labor to help in handling these loads, you got to check out Indicom. Uh, go to Indicom, I-N-D-E-C-O-M-M dot com. Check it out. As well as Incelerate. Love what Josh is doing. We've got him coming on here in a couple of weeks. Just tell us more about how to engage the borrowers and prospects of your customers and how to do it through really meaningful engagement. He's got some really great technology. Check it out at Incelerate. In Cell Er Rate. Uh, a special thank you goes out to Josh and the whole team there. Ainsworth Advisors, more and more companies are looking for who is your board of advisors? Who's speaking into your business? It's good enough to have a great management team. That's great. But you better have a board of advisors. Who is yours? Check out AinsworthAdvisors.com. Great group of top mortgage professionals. One of the companies I own. Very thrilled to have that going. And the who he's walking with me in that is just amazing. Gary Ort heads that up. 
previously with Texas Capital Bank. Also, artificial intelligence happening in a big way. So if you want a way to get up and running with artificial intelligence, especially when it comes to the marketing side, check out AI Assist. Also, check out Celebrity Home Loans. They're going through a lot of growth lately. I guess everyone's doing that, but he's doing it through acquisitions, as well as Knowledge Coop, as well as Mobility RE and Modex. Both of these two companies do a great job of helping you recruit LOs. And you go, like, do I need to recruit anybody? Well, you better find out who's out there and find out if you're hiring someone who does what they say they do. That's where both Mobility RE and Modex do that. Check them out on our advertising page, as well as Velma, Vedrister, Vidyard, and we're grateful for all our sponsors. Really grateful to have Andy, Alice, Allen, and Matt with us. And we're going to get into the MBA Mortgage Minute. But first, Rob and Rapwars with the MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob, what you got for us? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rappers. Welcome to Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, Senator Bob Menendez introduced a new bill, S-4260, the Promoting Access to Credit for Home Buyers Act of 2020. The bill mitigates the economic impact of COVID-19 on the housing market and protects borrowers from additional pricing constraints on their mortgage loans. MBA supports the bill as it would not only promote continued access to credit for home buyers, but also ensure the continued smooth functioning of the secondary mortgage market. The bill is the Senate companion to H.R. 6794, introduced by Juan Vargas and Maxine Waters. Under the bill, FHFA would direct the GSEs to purchase these loans and hold them in the GSEs' portfolios until such time that the borrowers are making regular payments and the loans can be pooled into GSE-backed securities. Congress is currently debating the next relief package this week. Also last week, FHFA proposed its 2021 housing goals for the GSEs. The goals required by law specify both the single-family and multifamily mortgage purchase benchmarks that the GSEs must meet each year with respect to low-income borrowers or borrowers residing in low-income areas. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me. You know, anything we do to help low-income borrowers, we need to be focusing on that. We need to get the first-time home buyers in the market, and the home prices are going up. I was talking to a friend of mine in Arizona. And they're moving out of the starter home, moving up. And he goes, you cannot believe the offers that we're getting coming in. It's just crazy how fast they are. So get some inventory out there. Let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and a view of the a macro view of the markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Come and listen to the story about a place named Fed. Poor rate control barely kept the yield curve in. Then one day they were shooting for some bread, and up from the ground came a bubbling crude. The decaying U.S. dollar helps push yields below zero. After adjusting for inflation, negative yields and the falling dollar lift U.S. stocks and spark a rush to gold, even black gold. The last time gold reached record highs of 1920 in 2011, mortgage rates peaked at 5% and proceeded to fall to 3 and 3 eighths. Now, with gold's return to record highs, mortgages are below 3%. Investors' demands for yield change based on risk and reward. Yet the Fed buys and sells as if it knows all things. You better believe, Ph.D. The Beverly Hillbillies. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Love little old bluegrass music going there. Alice and I have that in common. We love bluegrass. Anyway, it's so much fun to listen to that music and get an update. And I love how Les mixes in economic data with the Hillbilly song. Good job, Gary Ketchboy and Les Parker. I love the partnership you guys have, and I appreciate that segment. Good stuff there. A lot of good things I could go on now. Let's get over to Matt Graham 
you got to check out this week's mortgage update. He's got MortgageMBSLive.net, and he's the newest contributor, doing a great job. Love the site. We were just talking about what's on the economic calendar. So what do we got this week? Matt, what you got? All right. Well, hey, do you want to hear a quick recap of last week, Dave? Well, yeah, let's go to that old news. All right. Just real quick, real quick, yeah. because we did have a nice bounce back in existing home sales, up 20% from the previous month on Wednesday. And that was really nice to see, although it has not caught up as much as, say, pending home sales or new home sales. And I think we talked about a few reasons for that last week. And it'll be interesting to see how pending home sales come out this week. That'll be on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Because that is kind of an advanced indicator for existing sales. So definitely housing market staying a lot healthier than a lot of people thought it would be given all of the coronavirus concerns. Low rates could definitely be a part of that, but I think you have a lot of pent up demand that was on the sidelines in March and April that's now hitting the market. Stocks focused on earnings a lot last week and also on stimulus and the trade, U.S.-China trade sort of up in the air again. And that created some divergence between stocks and bonds. I think over the short term, a lot of people expect them to be moving in the same direction if we're talking about stock prices and bond yields. But a good amount of divergence there last week as stocks went higher right at the start of the week and bond yields kept going lower, ultimately hitting their best levels of the week after Mnuchin hit the airwaves saying that a payroll tax cut would not be part of this next stimulus installment. And bonds love that. The reason bonds love that is because the more revenue we take away from Treasury, basically, the more they have to issue in terms of Treasury debt and more Treasury issuance increases the supply, lowers prices, raises yields. So yields fall when they are not so worried about issuance. Now, fast forward to this week, and we have Treasury issuance to worry about yet again. In fact, in the past 10 minutes, we just had the first major treasury auction of the week at 1 p.m. Eastern time, five-year notes. And it was just a little bit weaker than expected. And we can see yields pushing higher across the board. That is not necessarily always going to be a big factor for the mortgage market. And indeed, MBS prices, mortgage-backed securities are still slightly stronger on the day. So it's uh, one in a list of things that have different impacts on the treasury versus mortgage side of the bond market. And this theme about issuance is going to be an ongoing one, especially when stimulus is hashed out and we find out what the the total amount of treasuries will be that need to be issued to pay for all the stuff we have going on. And of course, that's going to ultimately depend on coronavirus and how many people stay out of work. That will continue to be our dominant market mover, but we're noticing some interesting things going on both this week and last week in that we have other things starting to vie for market movement to have a vote in how bonds are going to move from day to day. We had really been focused on coronavirus and that will continue to be the case, but it seems that we're in a bit of a lull right now and that has allowed things like the stimulus conversation and trade and to some extent, uh, maybe the mood at the Fed to have more of an impact. So the mood at the Fed is an important topic for this week because on Wednesday, we have the new installment of the Fed's policy announcement. We know they're not going to do anything with the Fed funds rate. Uh, We know they're not going to do anything with 
the bond buying program, which has been very supportive for low rates, but the verbiage they choose and the way that Powell answers questions in the press conference can shape the narrative, can let markets know how the Fed is feeling. Because we really want to know, A, if the numbers start to say that we're pulling out of uh, the pandemic or things are improving or people are going back to work, just how supportive are you guys going to be? Are you really going to keep buying treasuries and MBS until you're really, really sure that we're really, really recovered? Because that's what they're saying right now. I think markets have their doubts in a scenario, for instance, where uh, we get easily back under 10% unemployment. And let's say the economy starts to look 80 to 90% as good as it was before coronavirus. Does anybody really believe the Fed is still going to be buying almost $100 billion or more a month of treasuries and MBS? I think a lot of people think the Fed might take their foot off the accelerator faster than they're currently telling us, but we understand they're telling us that so we can have reassurance and so a confidence crisis doesn't have a chance to exacerbate the mm-hmm. economic malaise brought about by coronavirus. By the way, it's month end, too. That can create a little bit of random volatility in bond markets as money managers have to adjust their portfolios and match certain benchmarks heading into the end of the month. It's one of those unseen hands that can have a market movement impact that sort of defies explanation and logic unless you are just going to say, oh, well, hey, that must be month end trading. Uh, And then earnings, of course, will continue in stocks. We haven't seen bonds too concerned with what stocks are doing, but it's a big earnings week and the earnings reports get bigger right around the time that we get the Fed. And then the following morning when we get the first reading of Q2 GDP. And this is the GDP report that everybody's been talking about since coronavirus started doing what it was going to do. So we'll get to see, is it going to be that 34% decline that is forecast? And what are markets going to do with that? Because traders know it's going to be bad. We can assume they've accounted for the fact that it's going to be bad. So let's see the extent to which they've actually done that. And if the number is a surprise, is that going to matter or are they just going to write it off and say, okay, yeah, we knew that was going to be bad. Let's focus on the road ahead. So from an economic standpoint, that's what we have coming up. Again, GDP on Thursday, but then we have pending home sales in the Fed on Wednesday. Auction cycle will be wrapped up by tomorrow afternoon. And then from a technical standpoint, last but not least, really interested to see if 10-year Treasury yields are going to break below 0.58%. That's a level we've been watching for months now as the bottom of the range. Who really cared if that was the bottom of the range a couple months ago? Because mortgage rates and MBS were so drastically disconnected from treasuries that we didn't really care. But now we're seeing that relationship largely restored and very much leveling off in terms of the spreads between mortgage rates and treasuries. Those spreads are higher than they were historically, but I think we can assume they're going to be a little bit higher indefinitely until we make it through the pandemic. The important thing about those spreads is they've gone flat for weeks now. And because of that, we can pay more attention to what treasuries are doing as a guidance giver for the broader bond market in terms of longer term interest rates. So if they're unable to break below 0.58, more importantly, if we see some sort of uh, negative momentum coming back in the other direction, pushing yields back up, now we have a little bit of potential upward pressure on rates. Mortgage rates don't need to move quite as quickly because I think lenders have hit the brakes as we have gotten down to levels that are very, very close to suggesting that people that just refied in March are going to need to refi again. And I don't think the mortgage industry really wants to cost itself that much money in terms of lost interest and early prepay penalties, not for borrowers, but early payoff 
costs that are passed along throughout the industry in various ways. So yeah, I'm seeing more limited potential for rates to move aggressively lower right now and a little bit of risk that they might see some upward pressure. But as always, the proof will be in the pudding and we'll see what we see after uh, we see it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I got a text message from one of my old clients and good friends and he's out of the industry now. He says, can you believe I locked in a 2.65 30-year fixed rate? And another guy was on the email trail says, I just got 2.35. It's like crazy. It's And I go, yeah. I think it's distinctly possible we could see it go lower and we could have another round of refinances. Again, it makes economic sense. If you're staying in the home more than seven, eight years, it makes economic sense to refinance anytime there's as much of a three-eighths of improvement. You can regain the cost of it, back of the cost of refinance. Just crazy. Wow. Good job. Yep. Appreciate it. Love your screens. I have it up all the time now. What you're doing is just excellent. I encourage our listeners to check out MBS Live. Dot net and take advantage of the extended free offer that Matt and company is doing for our listeners. So if you put in when registering at the sign-up code, you put in LOL and doubles your trial period and no credit card is required. So <laughs> yeah, good job, Matt. Appreciate the partnership and I love what you're doing. I'm glued to this thing, especially at different times. I love some of the commentary. I don't have to have any other TVs on. I just have this on. And because you've got the partnership with CNBC, so you put in their commentary. Really good job. Love your site. Encourage everyone to check it out. Have a great week, Matt. Thank you, Thanks. Dave. You, you too. It. Alice Alvey is here with us live. Alice is a CMB Vice President, Master CMBA, Vice President of Education and Training and Union Home Mortgage. And she's got this week's legislative update for us. Alice, you're going to get a chuckle out of this. I was telling about what you and I did at, at Radius Financial together and how we worked together. And they said, how much would it cost for us to hire Alice? <laughs> you don't have enough money because Bill knows what he has. He's a smart man and he's paying her very, very well. Yes, because- I love Union Home Mortgage. It's a wonderful yeah. place. Like well, that. that's very that's flattering. Like yeah, that. it was yeah. lots of fun. I do yeah. recommend that for folks. I mean, Radius is a great shop uh, also. And the fact that even folks who work that well together recognize just to have some a different perspective, have someone come in from the outside with a new set of eyes really does help the organization and take it to new levels, which, hey, if we're in for another refi boom, we're all going to need. A port here, Dave, we have two big things going on. First of all, you heard Rob mention about we now have a Senate companion bill for a house bill that was already out there came out just a couple months ago. We weren't sure how much momentum it was going to get, but now once you get a Senate companion bill, you really get the confidence that this change in legislation will come to be. So here's what this really means. Rob says it kind of fast. I'll give you a little longer version. So today, if we have a borrower who goes into forbearance, we can't close that loan, right? Or if they go into forbearance right away after we close it, we now have a problem in pulling that together in a security. So this bill would dictate to the Federal Housing Finance Agency who oversees Fannie and Freddie and FHA. So that's another component. Both groups would then have the ability to pull these loans into security. So the fact that FHA would be mandated would have a trickle effect into Ginnie Mae's, which as an issuer, that is a different set of issues and procedures that will have to be addressed. But in both cases, you'd be able to put the loans that are in forbearance into a special pool. They wouldn't be able to allow the increase in a G fee. They wouldn't be able to impose additional requirements. And so the legislation, I think, to Rob's point earlier, is one the MBA supports and has some good parameters around it to make sure that, yeah, they may allow purchases of these loans in forbearance, but what's the cost going to be? And the legislation does put parameters around 
around that, that they wouldn't be able to do that. Now, it doesn't stop the agencies from still needing extra parameters around income like we're dealing with with mm-hmm. trying to document self-employed borrowers today. But a good step forward to be able to open up the markets a little bit that are jammed up for borrowers and, and the extra reps and warrant concerns that lenders have today with a borrower who might decide to go into forbearance the day after they close. So it's a good piece of legislation that we would like to see go through. The second thing is that there was a virtual hearing the other day from the U.S. District Court of Maryland, and this was the first time that the Trump administration addressed reports that the Department of Homeland Security was not accepting applications for DACA residents, despite the June 24th Supreme Court ruling that ordered that the government start accepting them again. So the Supreme Court ruling was just simply addressing procedures. This is just about procedures and that there has to be some resolution to the procedure part of this. Mm -hmm. And so this particular ruling that came out the other day was simply the Trump administration has 30 days to readdress what are the procedures? Because there are some estimates are 700,000 plus DACA visas out there that are really just sitting in limbo today. So if the program is going to end, then what's the reasoning? What's the planning? Finish the procedural aspect of it. And so for those of you right now who are still looking at different ways, how can you close a DACA loan? It's way back up in the air again, and we're just letting you be aware of that. So we'll see what happens at this stage. So that's my heads up for today, Dave. We don't have a firm solution. We'll keep watching for it, and I'll put a shout out to being members of the different Mortgage Collaborative, AMC, and other groups who can keep you updated on those types of things in real time as well. Thank you. Appreciate you being nice. And here's what's going on out there. Good job. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Appreciate it very, very much. Let's get over to Alan. He is here with us from Open Closed, and we're thrilled to have him here. So, Alan, what you got for this week? Update. What's happening? It's a great week. So here's the headline. $1.8 billion, which you already mentioned, augmented reality in Google. So let's get into it. I got to tell you, $1.8 billion it is absolutely crazy. A definitive equity purchase, says Black Knight. Uh, they're going to merge it together with Compass. So it's going to be Compass Analytics and OB together. It's going to be a newly formed entity with other minority co-investors, uh, Kane Holdings and Lee Partners. But Black Knight will own 60% of the new entity. So hats off. That's definitely going to take some time to put it all together. I know they're already integrated together, but Black Knight is onto some cool and interesting things. So David, Amazon Alexa now talks back. This is so important. Forget about the fact that some people may be kind of eerie of having Alexa, right? Let's just get past that for a second. You think about where we need Alexa to go. If we were to have to have Alexa, Alexa is now asking the questions. And so they're called hunches. They were introduced two years ago, but they only came to market now. And they're things like she's anticipating, like, did you remember to lock your door at night? Or did you forget to turn the lights off? (laughs) It's just the beginning. Think about how that's going to be part of your everyday life and how it can be part of acquiring consumers and holding on to them during the mortgage process, servicing, loss mint, you name it. So take a look at it. If you're interested, if you're thinking of the Amazon Alexa or the voice assistant world, that's a really big deal. This one, David, augmented reality, the other head topic, this is really cool. For anyone that watched baseball as it opened up this weekend, you would have seen fake baseball fans. And a lot of people are kind of freaked out. It's by a company called Pixotape. They're the same ones that did the Weather Channel when they they had those crazy visuals where the weather reporter was on. So they call it augmented reality and they still need some work, but they're sticking with it for now. And they're going to try and make it work. So it's a new norm that we're dealing with. We'll see 
see what Pixotape can do. It's actually not just Pixotape. There's a bunch of other companies, but augmented reality is such a big deal. You and I have talked about it in the past. It's going to come into mortgage and real estate. I can give you 20 ideas of how we can do unique things in our industry with augmented reality. And in a way, David, take what augmented reality really is out of the picture for a second. We've got real estate agents with Microsoft Teams and Zoom and everything else walking through houses and giving yeah. virtual tours. So we're not that far away. And talking about virtual tours or Microsoft Teams, get this, the NBA is testing a brand new feature by Microsoft Teams. We all can test it. It's called Together Mode. And it's using AI, it takes a segment of your face and your shoulders and it places them together with other people, it goes in a big virtual space. And there's these giant 17 foot tall LED screens that wrap around the arenas and they put fans and players next to each other. But the fans can react in real time and the players can see their reaction. So wow. we always think about us, but what about the players? So very interesting. So you want to check that out. It's a brand new feature that they have called Together Mode. So many, 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 many years ago, when I was in the pricing engine world, we did a deal with Google, as many other people did. And we basically had to create billions of data together. They did it, but we provide the data so they can do mortgage pricing. Well, they took a twist on it. They're back in the mortgage game. They did a deal, a partnership with the CFPB it's like the hottest search term, which is how to buy a house. What is PMI? Should I refinance? What is an APR? And so they now not only have the questions and what they call mortgage lingo, but they also have average rates for purchase, for refinance, all different kinds of loans. It's instant. It's fast. Just like we all love Google Flights, same kind of thing. You want to check it out. Uh, when I Google, I remember them saying they wanted to deliver pricing results in 0.01 seconds. So check it out. It's instant and there's no leads or, or referrals in there right now. It's just the Google piece. So it's not necessarily working against us. It could be working for us a little bit, but you want to check it out. And then I've got stuff I'll push off to next week. The big one yep. that I wanted to talk about was CTO versus CIO. That was a really big deal, but I think it needs more conversation. But there's a couple other just little things in the news. This one was really cool. We love those housing wire pulsar articles. Yep. Uh, one of them was called How the Best Lenders Implement New Technology. Now, it's from last week, but you want to Google and you want to read this. It's called Seven Steps Your Comprehensive Implementation Plan Should Include. I'm only going to read you two of them. They're two most important ones, but there's seven of them. You want to go check it out. The first one, of course, is assemble your implementation team. I can't tell you how important it is to have the right people that are part of that team and they stay with it from planning to success to tracking and reporting afterwards. And then adoption strategy. Those for me are the two biggest ones. There's seven of them. Go check them out. That's and good. Then the very, very last thing I want to mention, David, as we leave is MBA has a webinar called Five Strategies for Growing Your Consumer Direct Inbound Sales. Go check it out. It's Thursday, July 28th. You want to sign up. You want to you go watch it. It's uh, Michael Hammond does it. And, um, yeah. and we'll have some great stuff next week. Good. Yep. Yeah. We're talking have to Michael. Great... We're trying to get a couple of his people on our podcast, uh, some customers he represents. We love yeah. Michael Hammond. He's fantastic. Uh, yep. Yeah, good guy. I want to give a shout out. Andy Shell. good to have you here. But before we go over to you, we got to talk about your wife, Teresa, because she does a lot of implementations and she does a really good job of it. And I know she's worked with Alan and the team there at Open Close as well as other many others. So yeah, shout out on the implementation front. Teresa does an awesome job. Tell her hello. And Teresa is fantastic, by the way. Yes. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Dave. She, she views conversions like the Marines in battle. There's never a man left behind. She makes certain that Everybody understands what's next, how to fix it, when you have a question, how to ask. So that's how you get buy-in, right, Alan? You get buy-in by people being able to be successful using the new technology. And unless you go through this process of integration and unfreezing, refreezing, you just don't get there. So it's a long process, but when you do it right, it can really work for a company. Yeah, sounds good. Call Andy to get a hold of Teresa. So Dave... 
Yes. This week is servicing again. It's servicing um, again. Last week, we had servicing webinar, and in two more days, on Wednesday, we have servicing webinar. Guess how many people we had last week? We had 500 people. Wow, Andy. On a webinar for the MBA. And this week, maybe even more. So we talk about important things. We talk about what's the biggest secret about servicing. Does anybody know the biggest secret about servicing? It's over four times more profitable than origination alone. Yeah. Would never get that. Would never, never, never. No, get no, exactly. So another important element of servicing, another secret of servicing is servicing is about precision. Alice and I often talk about precision. We all talk about precision and mortgage origination and the importance, but there's still a lot of fuzziness for flexibility, branch to branch, processor to processor, not in servicing. Each task in servicing is highly orchestrated. It's precise. It's a design that all fits together. And we talk about that on the webinar. So for the listeners that want to know the purpose and process of all servicing functions, whether you have a subservicer or you service in-house, join the webinar. And if the listeners are members of the MBA, it's free. Zero money. No reason to not sign up. It is wildly profitable, but it's hard to do. You got to make sure you do it right the first time. You don't just casually get into servicing. Servicing is a firm commitment and it's an essential component of any origination activity. You need to be able to say, borrow here, pay here. And servicing also creates this natural hedge where when rates go up, servicing cash flows extend. So it offsets the origination activity. And having a strong origination activity means you get the MSR recapture process. So it's cool. It's awesome. I've been in servicing for over 40 years and I'm still excited about it when I talk about it. So go to mba.org, education, sign up. Love to have everybody there. If you have questions about servicing you want to ask me or you want to ask Teresa, it's Andy at mbs-team.com or Teresa with an H. That's good. Excellent. Yeah, check it out. MBA, the servicing webinar. It's free. Appreciate you, Andy. Thanks so much, everyone, for uh, being here for the first part of our podcast. All right, that wraps up this week's podcast. So grateful to have you. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, the CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Indicom, Accelerate, Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility RE, Modex, and there's a whole lot more. Check them all out on our sponsor page and encourage you to support our sponsors. Get out there and talk with them, interact with them, and I think you'll be pleased with what you'll hear. So thank you so much. Good to have you here. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to having you back next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week 